Welcome to the Voice of Fandom Podcast. The one place where you, yes, you, you, the viewer, the fan gets to connect and interact live with the host and talk about your favorite sports team, athlete, or game of the week. And speaking of host, he's straight up, straight to the point. And with a mic in his hand, he lets you know he don't give a sh**. Former pro wrestler and your host, Kingston Robinson. Let's go! Let's go, let's go, let's go! We are here, man. We in the middle of the season. I've, I've been hyping this up like we're going into the playoffs, but we are in the middle of the season despite the world burning down, despite sports being here or there, all that. You know what? You know what? You know what? We are here. Let's get it. Let's get it. Hey, man. Uh, so, man, there's just so, there's so much going on right now. Um, I'm not going to sit here and talk about uh, politics and who's who and who's winning what and who maybe I'm not even going to get into all that. We are going to use this platform as a escape for all of that, because um, as much as I would love to <laughs> uh, set the world on fire and talk about all that and then have people love me or hate me or anything, I rather just do that about sports. Um, and not about everything else. So welcome. We, we we in this bitch and there ain't nothing else to say about it. Uh, with it being the middle of the season, I think it would only be just if we talked about the uh, midseason, you know, bangers and duds. Um, and we'll we'll give away some awards. We'll we'll put some power rankings up there. This is one thing I haven't done on this show yet is uh rank teams, rank players, uh you know, things of that nature, nature. Usually I just talk about the games. Um, I talk about the teams that I believe in and teams that I don't. Uh, but if you listened on Tuesday or if you listen sometime in the future, if you listen to the previous episode, um, I went through all of the games this week uh, with picks and all of that as well. So that's usually what I do on Thursday. So that opened up a spot for me to do something completely different on Thursday, uh, which is going to be this. And I think it's very fitting uh, for what we have going on. I was going to do a voting system for this, but then, you know, that's leaving uh, important decisions to a popular vote. And we see how that's going right now. <laughs> so let's get right to it. Um, if you don't know, now you know, and you will hear on the intro. My name is Kingston Robinson. This is the Voice of Fandom Podcast, and we are in this bitch deep. This is episode eight. Um, I have now, I have now lined out that episode 10 is when I'm going to announce the next giveaway. Um, that will be once I have all the ducks in a row with the people that I'm working with on what will be able to be given away and things of that nature. I want to up it up from last time of just doing like a uh, grab bag of fan things um is a giant possibility that the giveaway can include signed jerseys signed helmets signed footballs of that nature plus of course uh other team swag uh just depending on 
how things go in the next uh, week or so. So that will mean that a week from today, next Thursday, will be the uh, the unveiling of the giveaway. What you have to do to be able to enter or uh, be a part of the giveaway. And I will give out all those details on Thursday. Uh, so that is that. So if you want to be a part or if you want to spread the word, this is all about spreading the word. Like this whole giveaway is going to be based on, you know, sharing and being interactive and everything of that nature. So um, tune in to Thursday, um, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend uh, to tune in on Thursday. My live listeners on Thursday will get a better chance at the giveaway than those that um, do not tune in live. So that's also a big, big thing for my regular live listeners. You will get a better chance at winning the giveaway. Like I said, that could include live jerseys, live, I meant live jerseys, <laughs> um, autograph jerseys, autograph uh, mini helmets, footballs, things of that nature. Just depends on how things go. And I will release all that next Thursday on episode 10. Um, you know, just like a, a mini, mini anniversary episode 10, five weeks of doing this. So uh, that'll be dope. But let's get into it. Uh, let's start with my top five teams, my my five team power ranking of the NFL so far. And this is AFC and NFC. So this is the entire NFL, my top five teams uh, so far. And this is due to strength of schedule, win record, uh, the strength of the win, things of that nature. So yes, if a team has played a bunch of bum ass teams, but they've played well and remain, you know, consistent continuity and all of that, that ranks them higher than a person that, you know, hasn't, hasn't done so. Also, there's a huge factor when it comes to uh, injuries, COVID, who lost who, who's still playing well, even with the loss of players. Uh, there's been a massive strike of ACL and soft tissue injuries and things of that nature. So this is actually a really, really hard thing to do. And what I decided to do is go by all of the power rankings that are out there. Um, ESPN, Pro Football Focus, uh, you know, Colin Cowherd puts out his um, his list every week. Um, you know, every I went by everybody's thing. And then, you know, of course, diving in the film and all of that. And I decided, yes, if it's going to be midseason awards, we might as well put out a ranking as well. So we will start at number five. And number five goes to the Green Bay Packers. Let's go. Let's go. The Green Bay Packers make it to number five because, I mean, come on. You got the bad man, the man himself, Aaron Rodgers, which I will say has been kind of up and down this year. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are not sitting pretty after they just kind of got reminded of why they didn't make it to the Super Bowl last week, uh, giving up giving up that much in rushing yards uh, to Dalvin Cook. I mean, he had 200-plus yards from scrimmage, four touchdowns. I mean, it, it, when, when, when your running back is putting up quarterback numbers, that's, that's difficult for a defense to be able to swallow. But also, that was something you expected the Green Bay Packers to address in the draft, and then they traded up and got Jordan Love, and that really put a lot of question marks on what this franchise plans on doing um, to win, because you you were in a prime state to be able to win and and go far. 
um, last season. And then you decided to trade it up and get a quarterback when you have a franchise, a future Hall of Famer at quarterback that still has several years on his contract. So what what I believe is that their new GM just wants to go ahead and start what would be his regime uh, when when the players that he's picking right now are in, you know, in the system and got things going and all that nature. So he's kind of dismissing these next few years. And that's a shame because you'll have, you still have Aaron Rodgers in his prime. You still have, you know, a solid base. You have a very decent offense and um, you have a defense that needs some help stopping the run, but that doesn't stop them from getting to the top five, top five Green Bay Packers at five and two. I believe with uh, the return of Aaron Jones, with the uh, return of Alan Lazard coming up, um, they they have the chance to continue to roll. Now, the NFC is really tough this year, um, and you're seeing that due to the teams that are trying. They are trying to perform well, uh, but due to COVID and the massive amount of injuries around the the entire league, um, it's it's hard this year. This This year is probably the truest battle of attrition that has happened in the NFL in a very long time. Uh, so number five, Green Bay Packers. Let's go to number four. <sighs> number four is going to go <clears throat> to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got to give it to them. I, 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 hate, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But uh, number four is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is, this is the reason why. <clears throat> you have a new quarterback. You have a new tight end. Uh, you have a quarterback that has influenced a new style of offense that is not the same offense that Bruce Arians was running last year with Jameis Winston. You have one of the biggest things that I said going into this season is continuity means everything. If you have the same amount of pieces, the same coaching staff, uh, you know, the chemistry on both sides of the ball, well, all three sides of the ball, offense, defense, and special teams. That's going to be very important this year because you don't, you didn't have the same off season as normal. Of course, you don't, you didn't have your OTAs, your rookie mini camps. You, you, you didn't have all of that this year. So you didn't have something to get your new players, your new pieces, whether if they're rookies or veterans acclimated to the system that's running. So I said, Teams with a lot of new pieces are going to run into a lot of trouble. And for the first few weeks of the season, that was proven right. But it depends on the caliber of player of how fast you can expedite that learning process and that chemistry. It depends on the caliber of player of how successful you can be in situations like that. And they always say, you know, when the lights come on, great players, you know, they shine and... <clears throat> As much as I would hate to say it, Tom Brady is holding these people accountable, veterans and rookies alike, in making this team better than they should be at this time. Now, granted, I dig them on Tuesday because they played awful against the New York football giants. Uh, Tom Brady has thrown uh, ugly, ugly interceptions. Um, he he has not been great at throwing the ball. Um early, early in this stage, because they've even, it's well known 
that in the Bruce Arians system, it is very pass heavy, and you you do tend to throw a lot of interceptions because you're just throwing the ball more. There's more chances for that. And when you throw the ball more, what do defenses do? They lighten the box, they add an extra DB, and they're going to play the pass. Now, they did very well in combining a lot of concepts that Tom Brady has used over the past two decades, adding a bolster of running backs in Leonard Fournette and Shady McCoy. and uh, I mean, the names of their running backs are just ridiculous. Then, of course, they got Rojo, and it's it's those things, combining those two minds of Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, a very pass-heavy offense and a very conservative and brainiac type uh, of dissecting of the defense. It makes for a very good marriage. And now that Gronk <clears throat> is getting his legs uh, under him, now, that, I mean, you still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and all those that are battling through injuries. And But now you have Antonio Brown coming into the fold, who is familiar with Bruce Arians. But what's even better is that he's familiar with Tom Brady. And I have a feeling that once that chemistry gets in line, they're, they're going to be a tough offense to stop. I mean, who are you going to double? Especially when everyone's back healthy. You're going to double Mike Evans? Okay, cool. Antonio Brown's over there. Okay. You cloud over to Antonio Brown. Okay. Chris Godwin's over there. And then you have these other receivers that are kind of coming in. And what's great about that is that they're getting the playtime that once all of the main main guys are healthy and rolling, those guys can still come into the fold because they've played these, these mid-season snaps. They've gotten, you know, their way into the system. They've gotten some some play on tape and that's more beneficial than having a guy go down late and they having to step in. So number four goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though they played awful against the New York Giants. I think it is nothing but a upswing for them, uh, their schedule. It's not too difficult. Um, to me, their most difficult game coming up is possibly uh, possibly the Chiefs when they see the Chiefs. I think that's that's the most evil game that I see on their schedule. That's, that's going to be an issue. Um, so now we're at number three, we're in the thick of things now. Um, to me, these top three teams are going to be teams I can see in the Super Bowl without a doubt. Like these are the three teams and which is crazy because Really, all five of these I can see in the Super Bowl, but these top three are kind of like my locks. That if if none of these top three make it into the Super Bowl, I'm I would be baffled. Uh, but number three is going to go to the motherfucker, Mister Unlimited, and the Seattle Seahawks. Let's motherfucking go! So the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, come on, Russell Wilson, probably one of one of the uh, this is, is going to take a lot to say, probably one of the best throws of the football right now. And I, I think a lot of people have forgotten how good Russell Wilson is. I mean, then again, there are some Russell Wilson fans that will, will not, will not leave it alone that Russell Wilson has never gotten an MVP vote. This is his year. He's, you know, he's got the best chemistry on offense that he's had in a very long time. But once again, Russell Wilson is in a situation where he is carrying his team 
and his defense won't stop anything. Now, we saw flashes of what this defense can end up being um, in, in this past week and adding Carlos Dunlap, getting Jamal Adams back. There's a possibility that, you know, you, you can bottle up some lightning, go into the end of the season playing very well on the defensive side of the ball, and that take you to the playoffs. That can be a big deal, and I'm actually really looking forward to what that side of the ball is going to do to help Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson right now, his stats are, I would say they're comic book-like, but he has somebody that's also doing comic book-like things. Uh, but two 2,151 yards, sixth in the league. Uh, then you got 71.5%. Um, that's that's third in the league. 26 touchdowns. That's dumb. That's dumb at this point. That is really dumb at this point. Like if he goes, if he continues at this pace, he will throw over 50 touchdowns. And, and uh will not have the situation where no one votes for him for MVP. I don't see that coming uh, this year. I think it's actually going to be really close. Uh, now, the one thing that is fighting against him is that he's thrown uh, six picks, and that that could hurt him in the long run if another quarterback in this league continues to go on the pace that he will uh, because he is in a very low percentage when it comes to touchdown to interception ratio but it to me the seattle seahawks this year especially this year with that office dk metcalf is a fucking creative character monster he's what you try to make every time in madden uh, when it comes to size speed and ability he's he's finally tightening up the little things of maturity that i wanted to see out of him i wasn't one of those people that were like Oh, he can he he can only run fast. He can only run go routes. He he's not a complete receiver or anything like that. I was like, no, I I promise you that's what coaching is for. I promise you, wide receiver coaches and position coaches don't just sit around and be like, oh, that's what you did in college. This is just what you'll do in the league. No, they they challenge every person in that position room. Um, I've been in three position rooms, or yeah, three position rooms in my life when I played football. And that was a linebacker room, a tight end room. And then before I moved from uh, linebacker to tight end, special teams. And every time it wasn't, oh, you're just good at this, we'll put you at that. You may get put at that, but that's not the only thing that's being focused on. It's also being, being focused on correcting the things you aren't good at. So for people that were already undermining DK Metcalf just because he was big and he could run fast in a straight line, do you not understand the process? So with that, now he has learned how to run the route tree. Now he has shown me a little more maturity because I will say a lapse of maturity for me. He had a bomb of a touchdown. And yes, he took off, created plenty of separation, and then lightened up. Like you, you play through the whistle, you want, you run through the whistle. It doesn't matter the distance that you have on anyone, but he lightened up and guess what? The ball got punched out and it wasn't a touchdown. But since then you saw the complete 180 in the maturity and he fucking hawked down, hawked down in the Arizona game. And 
to me, that's complete 180 immaturity. It's like, oh, he played through the whistle. He saved the touchdown, which in turn, <laughs> which in turn in that whole series, saved them and almost could have won that game. But it at least kept Arizona from winning that game in regulation. It took them into overtime, and that was a actual game-saving play. Those are the things that you do when you hustle and play through the whistle. That's what I appreciate from the growth of DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett, I've always thought he was a dog. I'm so glad that he's now getting the attention um, this year, or actually it really started last year. Uh, but a lot of fantasy owners, <laughs> owners now are liking Tyler Lockett as well. And then Russell Wilson throws this fucking sky ball. Every time where he throws a deep shot, it's very, it's very different than anyone else. He's not throwing it like Aaron Rodgers. He's not throwing it like Pat Mahomes. He's not throwing a deep ball like uh, Kyler Murray, anything like that. He has this sky ball that he somehow puts so much arc on it that it is it is so hard for defenders to play on without any kind of penalty or anything of that nature because it drops it drops right in on his receiver's hands it it doesn't go he doesn't throw a lot of back shoulder he doesn't throw a lot of turnarounds he doesn't do any of that he throws this fucking sky ball and the only thing you can do as a defender is turn around and hope that you time it correctly that you can knock it out of the air before it gets there. And that's if you're that kind of DB. Other than that, what what are you going to be able to do? You can't turn your head if you're timing the hands. And if it's in the back of the end zone, the best you can do is push. But guess what? DPI is coming. You just moved him to the goal line. It is, it is a very, and I think that is something that is, everyone's been talking about this, what do they call it? The moon ball or something like that. Because he said that uh, he would throw a deep pass from the moon. And it's like, everyone talks about it just because it's a very deep and accurate ball, but not a lot of people talk about how hard it is for defenders to defend that exact ball. It is criminal how good it is. But that puts the Seattle Seahawks. Um, right above the Buccaneers at number three. So let's move to number two. Number two goes to the, the only undefeated team in the NFL right now. The team that their fandom has given me plenty of rough rile and hate, and they will continue to do that because probably because they're placed at number two. Uh, but I have to say number two, Goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't give them their due just. Number two goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. There we go. There we go. There we go. I didn't give them the same love that everybody else got, but it goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Come on. Seven and oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, come on. Matching their, their franchise history start. Mike Tomlin, who I'll get to that later. I was about to say, but. Mike Tomlin, who just passed Tony Dungy for the most wins in the NFL by an African-American coach. Um, their defense is playing lights out. Their offense is being serviceable enough to put points on the board. Uh, I still think that they're, the weakest point in the Pittsburgh Steelers is uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I, I just I don't see the best quarterback play out of him. 
yeah, he's back. Yes, he's better than Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges and, you know, the players of that nature. But he's not the same Big Ben. And granted, granted, you don't need him to be. He hasn't had to be. But when he has to be, that's what I need to see. Um, giving up a 20-point lead to the Titans is one of those things that I'm like, uh, you know, like, <laughs> I, those are the things, you know, uh, basically almost losing a game to the Ravens. Those are the things that really kind of keep me out of, I want to say that they're a perfect team. It, that's just me. And I know that I've given the Steelers a lot of fucking problems or headaches or whatever. Steelers fans have been on my back probably since uh, I started this podcast. And that's one because of the trailer clips that I've put out for the podcast are typically aimed towards them. And well, that has done nothing but thrive for replays and ratings and things of that nature. But it's also because I am being straight and to the point about how I feel about the Steelers. And a lot of people will see 7-0 and and be like, oh, they're a great team. They're doing very well. And for me, it's like, that's cool. But I do want to address one thing. One thing that has been constantly said back to me about the Steelers is that I constantly bring up their schedule. One thing that I do know about sports is that there's nothing you can do about the schedule. Schedule's written, you play who you play, and you're supposed to win the games that you're supposed to win. The ones that you're slated to lose, you're supposed to win those games as well. But in this league, it is very hard to go undefeated. Um, and I know that due to the battle of attrition and injuries and <laughs> uh, travel schedules. And now with COVID being added in and players you may lose and players that may be gone for weeks and all of that, it, it, it adds even more pressure than a normal season. I know that the Steelers can only play who they are scheduled. I know <laughs> that there is nothing that could be said or done about that said situation. But what I also do know is the strength and caliber of the teams that they are playing. It is the same way how when New England would see a divisional game, everybody was like, of course they're going to win their division. Their division's full of shit. It doesn't change just because you put a yellow logo on it. If everyone that you are playing or everyone around you is shit, okay, you're the shiniest shit in the pile, but that doesn't mean you're great. I need a statement win, not a we played our best game to be able to win game. That's not always going to work. And it's not always going to be the the key to the city that's not always going to lead to a seven and no type thing the Steelers always play down to their competition what happens when a team doesn't play down or what happens when they play down and all of a sudden that team has the caliber to kick it up which is what happens to them when they play the Tennessee Titans and if they see another team like that which I fear they will in the playoffs. And I know that they're going to be giant favorites to take it all the way, especially if they remain if they remain on this track and they go undefeated or maybe with just one loss. If they're the number one seed, they're going to be Giants favorites coming in. But there's already people picking my number one team over them in the AFC Championship. 
So I guess that is the best segue to go who I believe is the number one team in the NFL, AFC and NFC together. (laughs) The home squad, the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know, and you know, and you know, let me get it two times. And you know, this man, come on. Did you think it was going to go any other way? And, and this is not even a Homer situation. This is not even a time where it's like, this is a bias show. I can't believe that you put the Chiefs at the top of the rankings, even though they lost to the Raiders. No, 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 no. Let me break this down for you. Seven and one. Yeah. But let's also talk top five in scoring and offense and defense. Eesh. Let's talk about how uh, they, on defense, their defense is ranked higher right now. Ranked higher right now than points scored. That makes no sense. When, when, when did you think this was going to happen? <sighs> Come on. Come on, y'all. <laughs> uh, also, also, you have that guy, 1-5, Patrick LeVon Mahomes at quarterback. The one thing that I said was the weakness of the Steelers was Ben. And now I see the sharpest tool in the shed for Kansas City Chiefs, and it's their quarterback. That is not even in his prime yet. Who is quietly putting together minus about four to five hundred yards, putting together the same, the same season that he put together his MVP year. Hmm. What about that? That makes no sense, right? Because for some reason, everyone was saying that the Chiefs are just not as good as they were, you know, last year. Or Pat Mahomes is not as good as he was. His MVP year, I disagree. He has thrown less interceptions than he did his MVP year at this time. He has more rushing yards than he did his MVP year. His QB rating is higher than he did. And he just has a couple less touchdowns. But guess what? He has five less interceptions. So when you take the five less touchdowns and bring it down in interceptions, man, oh man, he is quietly putting together a year. And like I said, when I brought up Russell Wilson, if Russell Wilson continues on the same train and throws as many picks as he has, there's going to be a question on how, for some odd reason, when no one's been thinking about it, how Patrick Mahomes could win MVP again this year. Because if he somehow goes through this season and throws 42 touchdowns with two interceptions, (laughs) y'all are going to have to deal with Pat Mahomes having two MVPs, a Super Bowl MVP, and possibly on the way to get another Super Bowl ring. Wow. But let's get off Pat Mahomes. We have Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, Nicole Harmon, Anthony Sherman, because for some reason people just forget we also have an elite fullback. Our offensive line, who have been playing with backups 
are playing better than they should. And we will get we will get our starting O-line back soon. Along with Anthony Sherman coming back, along with Sammy Watkins coming back. Also, with our defense playing as good as they are. Legarius Sneed, a rookie that was playing lights out, leading the league in interceptions, who's been out from a broken collarbone, will be coming back. Probably not right after the bye going into the Raiders game, but will be seen going into December football. It will take him a while to get acclimated, trust himself again. Injuries like that, you you really trust yourself on like diving and committing for footballs again because that's how he got hurt. Um, or, you know, really driving a shoulder into a tackle and things of that nature. You, you really second guess those things until you get popped one, one or two good times and then you're like, oh, I can take it. Let's ball. But man, I remember going into the season last year. Matter of fact, I remember the feeling after the AFC Championship game. And the biggest thing was, wow, if the Chiefs had a sneeze of a defense, Pat Mahomes would take it for a long time. And then we did the whole defensive overhaul. Bob Sutton got fired let go of half of the defensive positional coaches, half of also that era of players, Justin Houston, Eric Berry, um, and became a complete reload. And you, most times when you do a defensive rehaul, offensive rehaul, play scheme rehaul, all of those things, it takes two or three years to get the continuity and the chemistry together. If you have some real ballers on there, maybe two and then all of a sudden steve spagnolo gave the just sneeze of defense for pat mahomes to be able to take it and now that sneeze of defense turned to a full-blown cold they somehow now have a top five offense and a top five defense and it makes absolutely no sense and they will have it for some time because Tyron Matthew is paid in here. Frank Clark paid in here. Legereus Sneed, rookie. Juan Thornhill in his second year. Man. Willie Gay Jr., rookie. <laughs> it's, it's insane. And then when you look at the offense, Pat Mahomes here for 12 years. Kelsey here for... <laughs> I want to say six in total. It could be four. Tyreek Hill here for another two. I am positive that probably because he got that three-year three-year uh, deal last year. I am sure he will get extended. Um, probably actually after this season, they will probably actually restructure his deal and extend him to keep him for longer because. After the his last year of his contract is when Mahomes' his contract starts to really kick in. So I'm sure that will happen. But also, Chris Jones still here. They they just have so many pieces that they have locked down for a long term of time. And then also, you have Andy Reid and Brett Veach, who is also extended for another six years. This team may not go back to back, may not win, win it this year. Even though I put them at number one, and I, I'm pretty damn confident that they will. 
but there's not a lot of teams thinking with this much foresight in making moves that make sense. And they've done it. And that's why they have no choice at being number one from front office to coaching to, to personnel. To me, they're the most complete team. And yes, they have one loss because <laughs> it was divisional. It was one team that literally their head coach said that he would give up his left nut to win this game. That's what John Gruden said about beating the Chiefs in a regular season game. He would give up his left nut. Well, that's great. You don't have to do it this time. Now, when you see us off a of bye week, <laughs> I'm sure that is going to be a completely different tone of game. But hey, who am I to predict anything as of right now? But to recap, top five teams in the NFL. Number five, Green Bay Packers. I've already said enough, but that bad man Aaron Rodgers is just that guy. Um, number four, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number three, Seattle Seahawks. Number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And number one, and number one, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, there is no Baltimore. There is no uh, 49ers. There is no, there's no none of that. I believe these teams have separated themselves enough to not even be in the same conversation with all of those other ones. So with that being said, Let's move on to some other things. Let's move on to some more awards. I'm hey, we got the crowd in here. We got a crowd in here. I know they not, you know, it, it ain't the best, but hey, we in here. It's mid-season awards. I'm just happy that we've been able to uh go this long with no like major game shutdown, no crazy turn of events. Yeah, there's been some teams with uh some flipped around schedules and things of that nature, but we're here tonight. Tonight is a true test because if you haven't heard, uh, the 49ers shut down their facility uh, because of uh, <laughs> another positive testing coving, and now they're doing contact tracing and things of that nature. Uh, also, the Green Bay Packers have running backs that are out due to COVID and contact tracing as well. Uh, the game is scheduled to continue. Um, as of what I've seen, because the Packers uh, got back, got onto the plane um, and flew out to California, which I wasn't sure was going to happen because, you know, California has been a hotbed for all of this. Um, and with everything going on with the election and with COVID and lockdowns and fires and all that, you would think California would be like, look, we not doing none of this shit no more. But they did fly out. The game is scheduled um, as it's supposed to uh, go. And we will see how this Thursday night football game will go with Aaron Rodgers having no running backs, basically. And the San Francisco 49ers pretty much not even having a team. Um, like I've mentioned <laughs> in the past several weeks, the 49ers basically have no one left. They absolutely have nobody left. Uh, Nick Mullins will be starting at quarterback since Jimmy G is uh, hurt. Uh, George Kittle is out. You have several people hurt. 
were on the COVID list. Uh, several people were placed on the uh, injured reserve. So it's it's one of those things. Now the injured reserve is a little different this year. So we know that they only have to be out for three weeks. But, man, it's just rough. Like, I don't – it's just rough. That's uh, That's really all I have to say about that because <sighs> – Man, oh man, I don't, I don't know how you, uh, how you really go about the rest of this if you're the 49ers. I mean, you didn't, you didn't do anything like the trade deadline was a bust. And I don't know if the NBA has just spoiled us with how exciting. And this, this is my feeling for the past few years. Uh, I don't know if the NBA has just spoiled us on how exciting and how crazy trade debt the trade deadline can be and how trade transactions can really just shake up the league. Uh, But it also, like what I stated on Tuesday, it is very hard uh, to do decisions like that this year because even with the trade deadline being where it was and where it is in the season, and there are teams that obviously know they need to make some moves to improve their team with the COVID testing and the protocols and games still going on and this or that, like sometimes you could probably realize it's not worth the hassle. Then it's like, Hey, look, we're just going to roll what we got. If we got a shot, we got a shot. If we don't fuck it. It feels like a lot of teams are just chalking this year up. Uh, One of them is the new England Patriots, but we're not getting into that. (laughs) Um, But I believe that uh, the teams, once again, that have kept the continuity and have done very well so far um, and can manage being down a few players at a time, you know, they they got the best shot. So, so we're going to go on a bit of an early break, but we're going to go on this break. Anybody that's watching this show, share the show, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, um, invite some people out. I don't care what you got to do. On the other side of the break, we are going to go through the midseason awards. We're going to hit MVP. We're going to hit Offensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, all them things. And uh, after that, we're going to talk some bullshit, and then we're going to get the hell off because uh, I got things to do, cook some red beans and rice in a crock pot <laughs> uh, and all that. So on the other side of this break, that's what we're going to do. Like I said, uh, like and share the show, invite people out. Um, if you're not following, go ahead and follow. Uh, I'm, I want to do a whole lot to get the follower count up because I have a lot of people that come and listen and uh, enjoy the show, but haven't followed. So they always kind of come in late when uh, I'm on live. So definitely follow. So you get the alerts. Um, and then if you can't watch, uh, if you can't listen live, then you can always listen on the KCPN app that is available for iPhone. And then also if you don't have an iPhone or I understand you don't want to download another app or whatever, I don't know why people still use that as an excuse, but it is what it is. Uh, you can also listen on Spotify and Apple podcast and all those things that are convenient for you. So on the other side of this break, we hand out some more awards and we keep this thing rolling. We keep it rolling. Yes, sir. I will see y'all on the other side.
Let's go. And we are back. So I have some disappointing news. I have some. Hey, 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 chill out, chill out, chill out. I got some disappointing news around the league. I don't know why that was so aggressive, but there's just been multiple cases of COVID everywhere in the league. Uh, It was reported yesterday. Matt Stafford is on the uh, COVID list. Uh, So now the Detroit Lions have to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. Um, Also, like I mentioned earlier, 49ers, Green Bay Packers. uh, Now the Colts have announced that they've had a positive case of COVID. Now, once again, this is not anything that is surprising to us. This is not anything that we did not expect when it comes to this whole pandemic that's going on. I mean, the NBA did a lot. The NBA did very well in, you know, being able to maneuver with this pandemic that's going on. And that's because they were in a bubble. They were in a disclosed location. Like they did everything that they could to be able to limit the interaction with people uh, that could start a outbreak. And what is going on with the NFL is that they have continued to travel. They have continued to play at each other stadiums. And it's a physical contact sport. Not that basketball isn't, but of course, we know that the NFL is on a different level of uh, physicality and contact and things of that nature. So we knew that this was happening. It was all going to be on how the NFL was going to function as this continues. Also, there's that looming thought of, Okay, well, what are the long-term effects of this said situation? What happens when um, 15, 20 years from now, um, you know, people are having lung or heart defects or, you know, bone deficiency, muscle deficiency? There's no telling. We don't know enough about this to know what could happen. And that is a very interesting, scary thought. But... I'm no doctor. I don't know anything about all of this, so I can't say shit, but it brings it brings um, a big point, especially when it comes to these college players that are either playing or opting out. Um, you know that projected number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, he contracted uh, the coronavirus, and what could that say for him going into the league? What if we find out the long-term uh, effects in that way. And when he's two or three years into the league, it's just not playing as well. I mean, hell, we saw Cam Newton get COVID and come back and just hasn't been the same player since. And I'm not saying that COVID is this magical talent zapping virus. No, I'm just saying we don't know enough about it to understand the long-term. We just understand what to do in the short-term, barely barely. But that's my bad news. I didn't mean to bring down the and I didn't mean to bring down the energy or anything. Uh, that's just that's just what I got for right now. So, let's bring it up and we are going to give away some mid-season awards to some players that deserve it right now. I mean, it's week 8. You know, you got to have some motivation, you got to have some things that's going on, all that kind of shit. So, we're going to start with the easiest one I think by far. Um, and that's the NFL Coach of the Year. I don't think there's any question on who Coach of the Year should be. I think you need to give this man like a fucking 
Medal of Honor, a uh, Nobel Peace Prize, the damn anything. This man deserves to be coach of the year. And it's not just because of the records that he's broke with this team. Um, I believe it's also the past few years, the efforts that he's done with this team. As far as keeping the locker room maintained, um, we saw after a few players left his locker room, they became a fucking headache and headlines all through the NFL. And Antonio Brown and Lev Bell. And when they were in his locker room, they were just kind of slight whispers. That's a big deal. And that is also a big testament to who you are as a coach and how you manage those said players. When you have players with big personalities and they don't seem as big in the locker room, you are doing your job as a head coach of keeping keeping things buttoned up. So definitely my <laughs> mid-season AP Coach of the Year award goes to Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, get it, get up, get up, get up. Yes, sir. And Mike Tomlin's odd. He will speak in riddles and rhymes and proverbs and shit. Um, so I can only imagine how things will go. Even, well, you know, I like things buttoned up in my locker room, just like my grandmother buttoned up my shirt. It let me know that the shirt is supposed to stay on how you're supposed to stay on life. You're supposed to stay on aggressive, ironed on with creases. Mike Tomlin would say some crazy shit, but he is coaching the hell out of this team. You know that he's a defensive-minded coach, and this defense just has his fucking fingerprints all over it. They're flying around the ball. They're playing great ball. Um, so, yeah, Mike Tomlin, coach of the year. Uh, go ahead. Just hand it to him. You could hand it to him right now. I, I don't think there's going to be anybody else that flips the script and makes it any bigger of a deal uh, than what Mike Tomlin is doing right now. Unless somehow the Steelers just fucking fall apart and they lose half of their games that are left on the season. That'll just be miraculous. I won't understand, especially with them uh, facing the Cowboys soon. And the Cowboys are in a situation where they could be starting Cooper Rush at quarterback. So I highly doubt that that's going to happen. So to move on, we are going to go to, let's go to, Comeback player of the year. Once again, I don't think there's any question on this. Um, I, well, actually, there are some people that do have question on this. There's a lot of people that are pushing for Ben Roethlisberger to be comeback player of the year, which I mean, cool. I get it. Uh, but to me, he is, he didn't go through the hardest thing and he's also not playing the best. So th those are like two things to me that it's just like, okay, well, you didn't really turn around your play because for me, for comeback play of the year, I'm going to compare you to, you know, what you were pre-injury. And uh, I mean, your team is doing very well. Trust me. I, I believe that those things matter, which is why it is very hard for me to pick against Ben because even though he's not playing lights out, his team is. But there's just somebody that has done the fucking remarkable. And there is no way to shy away or not look at it. So <laughs> there's no question to me that your AP comeback player of the year for the midseason awards goes to Alex Smith. Come on. It's got to. It's got to. 
Alex Smith is that guy. I mean, okay. Fanboy aside, AS11 went through a crazy, crazy, life-threatening injury. Life-threatening injury. And if you haven't seen it, go and watch the uh, 30 for 30 on Alex Smith and what he went through. Not 30 for 30. It was an E60 uh on espn i believe you can just watch it on demand on the app or something like that no plug i'm just saying to go watch it uh but that shows you what alex smith really went through um and how it just wasn't you know one or two surgeries and you know he's back up and running no uh when it comes to infections into his bone marrow when it comes to taking muscles from other part of his legs to rebuild his leg the the rehab, the surgery, the rehab, the surgeries. The, it was insane. And sitting there watching that, not only as a football fan, a former football player, and a fan of Alex Smith, that shit was rough. And I, man, it, I remember there were several times where I'm watching that and I'm like in tears because there he has so much love for the game and so much passion for the game that it was so hard for him to dismiss the fact that he may not ever play again. Then it was even harder to fight the fact that he is in a life-threatening situation and it's because of his leg. It's a football injury. Now, I will say the real MVP in that entire situation is his wife. His wife is a soldier. His wife was down for anything and everything. And his wife even supported the fact that when he was told he could get back into football, she was down for that too. And that's hey, hey, you know what? Side award for her. Side award for her. Yes, yeah, sir. But it it was just crazy to think about. And I I said at the very beginning of the season when uh he got brought up to the roster and he started practicing and all that. I was just like, all he needs is one snap for me. All he needs is one snap. And after one snap, I'm like, confirmed, comeback play of the year. I don't even need you to win the game. And I know I just said, I know I just said that wins batter and all that. And the Washington football team isn't doing great. He's actually not even starting. But <laughs> there is no doubt to me that the comeback play of the year goes to Alex Smith. And the fact that after that, he kind of got a crowning moment in the fact he was carrying Aaron Donald on his back. And they had to blow the play dead. Like, he didn't just go down for a sack. He carried him on his back. That's a full circle moment. Like, you, you don't get any better than that. You don't. So, that's your coach of the year. That's your comeback player of the year. Now let's get to the, like, big boys. Your AP NFL Offensive Player of the Midseason Year. Man, I think we got to work that out. I think that was kind of trash. I don't really know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was kind of trash. It was kind of trash. But offensive player of the year goes. Does anyone really know? <laughs> uh, I'm going to be real with you. Uh, when it comes to offensive player of the year, it's going to have to go to Russell Wilson. I know it's it's going to have to. Because he's not going to win the MVP. That's really shitty. That's really shitty, I know. But Russell Wilson's going to get Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, he's balling out right now. If he doesn't make it to, like, the sweet 50 touchdown range, he will definitely 
uh, be in the mid to high 40s. As long as he continues on this path, um, I think that he is going to continue to ball out. Uh, his wide receivers are making it look like a fucking video game for him. Like, it's dope. And I don't see anyone that's really beating him out in that situation that won't win MVP. Uh, so with that, we'll go with Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now, this one's hard. You got some rookies that are balling right now. You have some rookies that are balling. Justin Herbert, you boy, you almost you almost did it. Um, I will tell you that right now because Herbert's balling. Herbert is playing way better than I think, uh, well, I guess a lot of us non-Oregon fans <laughs> uh, expected. But I, what's hard is that he's playing hard and he's not really getting anywhere. That's kind of how I felt about Joe Burrow for a little bit. Like, Joe, Joe was putting this ugly-ass Cincy team on his back. And it wasn't really doing much until this past week. And that doesn't make me look at Cincy and be like, hey, they're doing great. I'm trying to figure out what speaking of Joe Burrow. I got something playing in my ear right now. I don't even know if y'all can hear it, but it's it's playing in my ear. Anyways, I cut that out. Uh, but it's just it's just crazy to see that. So um my offensive rookie of the year is going to motherfucking Clyde Edwards. Let's go. We got a chief with an award. Let's go. Matter of fact, two times, two times, two times. Yeah. Come on. Clyde is in second in leading rushing in a running back by committee offense. Running back by a committee offense. And he is second leading in rushing as a rookie. It That's stupid. And there's no telling. Where he's going to go now, granted, Dalvin Cook just cooked up a little bit, but I don't think their offense is ever going to put up a situation like that for him ever again. Uh, But, I mean, what else is there to say? Tell me another rookie that's out there doing it. Now, granted, he doesn't have the touchdowns. Um, He just has the yards at this point. Um, He's on pace for over 1,000 yards for his rookie year. Um, And I believe that he will be in a better position to score more touchdowns with Le'Veon Bell now being in the fold because you're now having to pay attention to both of them, uh, especially in split backfield situations. Uh, it's going to get ugly. And now our fullback comes back. Uh, so we'll have some very interesting blocking schemes that will cause, you know, some more, uh, you know, mismatches and all that for the entire team. So, I think it is, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, that it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire for your Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, now let's go to the other side of the ball. Other side of the ball, Defensive Player of the Year. And you know what's really shitty about this? Is that there is a person in this league that will not let this defensive player of the year fucking award go to anyone. Uh, it pisses me off actually, because 
you you try to figure it out you you try to uh you know give it to somebody else or look at somebody else but you just can't you really just can't like 26 tackles nine sacks three force fumbles what what are you why why who who else are you gonna give it to if you don't know who i'm talking about i'm talking about that dude aa 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 Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. I mean, why, why the fuck are you playing around? I don't know anybody else that is wrecking the the fucking that side of the ball. Tied for third and fourth fumbles. Nine sacks tied for first. You have to double him every game. Every game. Because the second you don't double him, the second you don't run some kind of a uh, trap line scheme or shade somebody over something. He's getting through. And even when he's doubled, we've seen this man collapse two O linemen into the quarterback. He's, he's just a monster. Like you, you can't give this award to anybody else. Trust me. I would love to give it to Chris Jones. I would love to get it to, uh, Jamal Adams, Tyron Matthew, uh, any, anybody, but, uh, <laughs> I, I'm shit. I don't think I have a choice. And I know it's surprising that, uh, that there isn't a Pittsburgh Steeler that I'm talking about in this and blah, blah, blah. And all that. Yeah. 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 I get it because their defense is playing out of their mind. I am sure people are like, how the hell are you not putting a fucking TJ Watt in the mix? He's playing lights out this year. He's doing this or that. And I, I agree. TJ Watt is playing lights out, but he, I'm sorry. It's Aaron Donald. Like I, there's, there's nothing else I could say about it. There isn't. And uh, that's on that. As far as defensive rookie, player of the year. I honestly can't even tell you. <laughs> uh I honestly can't even tell you. There to me there's not a rookie on the defensive side of the ball to me that has stood out enough that I can give them the award uh this early. And that's shitty. But that's just that's just where that is. Like, I'm not just going to give it out because of formality. Like, no, it's the, it's the middle of the year. Like, you you got to prove to me what the hell is going on. And like I've said before, I would love to give it to so-and-so and so-and-so and this and that. No, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. But defensive player of the year, probably Aaron Donald. That motherfucker going to have so many. I don't, everybody needs to get him off the Rams. Get that motherfucker on the team. Get that motherfucker on the team where it matters. Because right now the Rams are the most up and down forest fire. I think I say that about a different team every every week. Uh, but the Rams, I don't know if they have an identity at all. I remember when they went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs um, in 2018. And it was billed as the most most exciting or most electrifying or whatever the fuck they, it was some gimmick or the best. Oh, the best game ever. The best NFL game ever. Rams chiefs. Um, 
And of course, Chiefs loss uh, 51 to 54 it was an insane game. Um, and I loved every bit of it. There were people that were like, oh, there's no defense in that game. And uh, sorry about it, but there's like three defensive touchdowns in the game. So I don't really know what the fuck that means. Uh, but it was a wild game. Wild as fuck game. And uh, since then, that to me, that was the pinnacle of the Rams. Because, you know, on paper, you would say the pinnacle of the Rams would be going to the Super Bowl. But that was the fucking worst Super Bowl we all watched. Rams-Patriots was one of the worst. Matter of fact, it's one of the worst football games. And people were like, defensive heads love this game. It's real. It's a chess match. Fuck that. Like, if that's a chess match, bitch, I'm playing Connect 4. Because I'm putting that shit in the box. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not watching this fucking game. That game was the worst. And it was so bad that it stole my buzz like three times. Like, I was trying to watch the game and enjoy it. It was in my city. It was in Atlanta. So I was like, yo. This this is the shit. I went to all, well, not all, but I went to some of the Super Bowl parties, worked, uh, bartended a few Super Bowl parties. I'm like, yo, like Atlanta, we're going to turn this bitch up. And then it ended up being that. Like, I don't even know what the fuck that was. It was trash. Pissed me the fuck off. Uh, so before we get to MVP, the coup de gras, before we get to MVP, we are going to do a QB rankings, which should be pretty obvious due to the fact of what I've said before. So I'm going to run that through pretty quick. Then we're going to do some of the worst before we crown the MVP. So let's do the worst shit first. Worst team. And this, this doesn't just go by record. This goes by front office, uh, draft decisions. Mm, trade decisions, personnel decisions. This also goes by who have you paid, who have you not paid, how is your team functioning, things of that nature. Worst team in the league. This is the first tie. This is the first tie when it comes to all this. I know it's crazy, but we got our first tie. I know. I don't what the fuck. Uh-oh. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Our first time. So for worst team in the league, one goes to the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are the first, and then the second are the New York Jets. I mean, I know, I know, I know, I know. New York Jets. And this these are the two two reasons or a couple reasons why on both ends. The New York Jets are obviously have not won a game yet. They are sitting at 0-8. They are sitting in prime position to get a Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or whoever they decide is going to be the next key holder to their engine. Or, or maybe they don't go at quarterback. They hang on to Sam Darnold and they trade out and whatever. They're in prime position for the number one pick. Will that go as well? Who fucking knows? Because it's the Jets. And as long as they hang on to Adam Gase, I expect nothing but more problems to arise. But also, you have the Houston Texans, who had Bill O'Brien doing 37 jobs. He was a computer with 50 tabs open, 
with a very small, simple processor that could not understand what was going on. And just everything went so bad, so fast. And instead of the computer just crashing and giving up, it just sat there and tried to load everything. And it it was just bad. Uh, but when you make decisions like trading D-Hop for a pack of Skittles and Annihilator, when you do things like getting Randall Cobb <laughs> for some fucking reason, um, and you do things like waste a year of uh, Deshaun Watson's contract, his career, um, all those things, it it really puts a giant sour taste in not only your, your fan base's mouth, but when it comes to looking at the league, because Deshaun Watson is a baller. He should be put in a situation to ball, and he is not. A lot of people hate on uh, quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and, uh, you know, things like that because they're, they, they're a product of the system. Well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do as a great NFL staff. You are supposed to build from the center out. And that, that is like literal and physically the center of your team is your quarterback. And you build from there out. Okay, what is my quarterback good at doing? How can we facilitate those talents? What is my quarterback bad at doing? And how can we cover up those talents? If my quarterback is bad at escaping the pocket and moving around, I'm about to bolster up the best offensive line around him that I can. If my quarterback cannot throw the deep ball, I am going to get an offensive mind to plan a lot of short throws underneath routes, creative screens, creative drag plays, slant plays. But if my quarterback can throw the deep ball, cool, I'm getting a lot of fast, speedy, deep ball receivers. I'm also going to, you know, have an offensive scheme that creates my plays to be in open space, that creates them to be open deep. Same thing on the defensive side of the ball. So when people say they are just a product of the system, you are more than likely a fan of a team that has no system, that has no identity, that has no center to create from. The Chiefs have done it. The Patriots have done it. The Houston Texans, not even fucking close. The New York Jets. Not even fucking close. And that's why those two are the two worst teams in the league. <sighs> yeah, just go ahead and boo them. Just boo them. I know. I know. They're shitty. They're shitty. So, with that, we are going to go into the worst quarterback in the league. And boy, oh boy, I'm sure you could toss this up. To a lot of people. And I mean starting quarterback. I'm not talking about quarterbacks that are on the bench at the moment. Um, But we are going to talk the worst starting quarterback in the league. And this may come as a surprise. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. It probably won't actually. Um, But... The worst quarterback in the league right now, in my opinion. And you know what? I'm actually going to write off one because one seems way too obvious to me. I was going to say Ben DiNucci. 
that's going to be way too obvious. I I believe all of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, all of their quarterbacks just kind of get a write-off. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about Andy Dalton or Ben DiNucci or soon to be coming up Cooper Rush. I'm not going to talk about Jake, Jake, uh, Jake fucking Luton, Luton. I'm not going to talk about him. Uh, that's taken over for Gardner Minshew. I'm not going to talk about him. I'm also not going to mention Tua because he had just one game and it it didn't go great for him. I mean, they won and he got a touchdown, uh, but it just didn't go great. Um, it's actually going to go to Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen for the Washington football team is the worst fucking quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, and um, I'm going to be real. He almost tied with Cam Newton. He almost tied with Cam Newton, and it's only because it's just bad. It's just bad quarterback play. They're they're not doing good. They're giving away the ball. Uh, they're the missing opportunities from both of them. Um, and shit, you could throw Daniel Jones in there, but at least Daniel Jones is slightly, slightly serviceable. Um, only from what I saw from the. Uh, Tampa Bay game. Well, I say he's slightly serviceable. He he stepped up from his normal play in that. But man, Kyle Allen's so bad, and I want them to put Alex Smith in so bad. But I also don't want Alex Smith to like wreck his shit either, um, because well, that injury was just so much where it's like every time he's on screen, I'm like happy, but I'm wincing at the same time, and I don't know if I should be watching football like that. Uh, so that's your that's your worst uh, quarterbacks in the league. Also, if you want to talk about your most uh, overrated player, we can go ahead and hand that out real quick. It goes to Ezekiel Elliott. He is trash. I'm tired of everybody talking about how he that dude. He got that ugly ass fucking feed me more tattoo like he ride back. Man, fuck Zeke. That motherfucker's trash. Um, And he's fumbled the ball more than I've seen uh, people fumble the bag this year. So it's just it's just bad. Uh, Zeke is trash. He's overhyped. And he is not the running back that he used to be. So that's Zeke. Um, so let's get to the top five quarterbacks. Um, now that we just did the uh, worst, we can do the best. And then we can move into MVP pretty damn seamlessly. And I'm sure, I'm sure all of you know where this is going. But we got to go through the formalities, people. It's a fucking award show. What do you expect? So, top five quarterbacks going. Matter of fact, we'll do top three. We'll do top three because I think the the top three has separated so far from uh, who are in the top five. I think there's just a giant, giant gap. So, number three, with no disrespect, number three goes to that bad man, A.A., Aaron Rodgers, yes. I mean, come on. 10th in yards, 18th in percentage. He's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. Second in interception percentage, third in TDs. Uh, I mean, what what more do you want from Aaron Rodgers? He's literally because his fucking front office doesn't want to provide him with the assistance, just like I said, building from the center. They have not built from the center when it comes to this Green Bay Packer football team. They have not done that, and it has made Aaron Rodgers, once again for another year, have to carry this fucking franchise on his back. It is sad, 
and I hate it, but that's what it is. And uh, there's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, yeah, number three, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, that boy, Russell Wilson. That boy, that bad man, Russell Wilson, he be throwing that motherfucking, and like I said earlier, come on, 16 yards, first in touchdowns with 26 touchdowns. Uh, now, two, <laughs> tied for 16th in interception percentage, which that's, that's a little rough. It's a little rough. That, that is what it is, but it's a little rough. Uh, tied for 16th is middle of the pack, you know, and I can get a little. Also, no rushing touchdowns, which is, mm, I don't want to say odd for Russ, but definitely um, not what I would expect. But with 260 rushing yards, he's he's fifth um, in that category. So he's putting up numbers, but there is somebody, and I hate to do it because, Russell, everyone talks about how you haven't won an MVP. Everyone talks about how you haven't even received a vote. And you would think that this would be the year. This would be the year with these numbers. This would be the year for Russell Wilson to take it. But there is just a fucking, there is just a a, <laughs> a brewing headache, a gnat in your space. Someone that literally, if you slip up a little bit, is right on your ass. It is the only person that is ranking top five in intercept uh, interception percentage, top five in yards, top five in touchdowns. And that is that boy, Mr. 2 p.m., Showtime, Patrick LeVon Mahomes. The boy don't miss. He don't miss Mahomes. 2,300 yards, second in the league. <laughs> 21 touchdowns, second in the league. 21 touchdowns to one interception, point four interception percentage. That's first in the league. Matter of fact, guess what? 165 rush yards, that's eighth in the league. Two rushing touchdowns, that's tied for sixth in the league at quarterback. He is top 10 in almost every single stat besides completion percentage. Completion percentage, he is at 13. There's, He's the only player in the league that is top three in the most important touchdowns, yards, and interception percentage. That's stupid. That shouldn't even be happening. Because not only is he putting up the numbers, he's putting up the numbers more efficiently than he did his MVP, his first MVP season. And that's what leads me to your AP midseason MVP of the 2020 season is Patrick LeVon Mahomes. I mean, shut the fuck up. There's nothing, there's nothing else that could be said or done. Literally everything I just said is the reason why this is gonna happen. I I can't even Russell Wilson, it's gonna take one game. It's gonna take one game for you to slip up. Well, one game for you to not play just as great as you have been, and it's going to be over. You're going to give this shit right back to Mahomes, and then everyone's going to be looking around like, fuck! Not only, not only is this motherfucker going to win MVP again, but we're going to have to at least see him in the AFC Championship game again. And it's like, what if, what if Mahomes is Madden curse, 
was just the fact that he was down so many points in games, but still fucking won. What if that was his mad curse? Because now, if that's the case, he's about to go through scot-free this year. It's it's too much. It's too much. And as as a as a man would say, anytime Pat Mahomes throws a touchdown, it's free real estate. It's motherfucking free real estate. Come on, y'all. Come on. So, so to line it all up, we'll see if I can just remember this off the top of my head because I don't feel like going back to my sheet. AP comeback player of the season. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say of the year because the midseason thing just sounds weird as fuck. Comeback player of the year, Alex Smith. Offensive rookie of the year, Clyde Edwards Elaire. Defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. Offensive player of the year, Russell Wilson. Coach of the year, Mike Tomlin. And then your now two-time, two-time MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Let's go. So, with that being said, We can uh, take a look around the league right now and see what's popping besides, you know, everything burning down and getting infected and shit. Uh, So, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And as I expected, I knew the second I picked up my phone, some bullshit would be going on. So, a staff member has tested positive for COVID-19 for the Chiefs. The Chiefs will hold practice today, then the facility will be closed Uh, The Chiefs are still preparing for um, the Carolina Panthers that we play on Sunday. So uh, once again, which this is odd uh, for the Chiefs, most of the time when these COVID uh, things have popped up for them, it's been a staff member. Um, Last time it was Jordan Tamahu, who has now uh, been released, um, not because of COVID or anything like that. We just had to make room on the team. Um, but practice is still on. We are not shutting down the facility. Uh, we are still planning to play the Panthers and that will be what it is. There's not a situation like the 49ers where, um, now they are reporting that Kendrick Bourne's test where he tested positive yesterday was a false positive. Um, according to the people that are close to him because his remaining tests have been negative. Um, but still him, Brandon Ayuk, Debo, Debo Samuel, and Trent Williams must remain on the COVID-19 list because they were placed there. Like, there's nothing that could be done after that unless it. Uh, I think it's three more tests uh, that have to come up negative for them to claim that it was a false positive and they can be released from the COVID-19 list. Um, also, Bears have shut down uh, because of a player test positive. That has gone on. Uh, Chris Godwin for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has continued practice even, um, you know, despite of the broken finger that was uh, brought up in injury reports. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, which I don't even fucking know. He got hurt uh, in the Saints game. I don't know if anyone knew um, about that, but uh, yeah, he got hurt. He has uh, seen a doctor in L.A. Uh, It is very similar to the shoulder injury that he had uh, two years ago. 
Um, so there's that. Um, there's not too much else that's going on. Just keeping a watch on um, facilities that are uh, staying open, staying closed. Most most uh, facilities that are closing are still doing their routine and all of that remotely. Uh, like I said, the Chiefs are still going to practice. They just uh, are shutting down the facility, I'm sure, to clean and disinfect. Um, and then then they uh, will be fine because they don't travel. It's a home game. So that will be that. Uh, from what I've seen, and we talked about this on Tuesday, Christian McCaffrey is at practice. Uh, will he play or not? Still have no idea. Uh, same thing with on the other side of the ball. Same thing with Sammy Watkins, Anthony Sherman. Uh, they both returned as well as as well as seeing a returning Legarius Sneed, who uh, came back. Um, I don't see him playing <clears throat> until after after the Raiders game. I really rather save him for December football than uh, anything else, honestly. Uh, because if he goes in and he gets banged up early again, then he's out for the playoffs, and that is not something that I want to see. Um, so with that being said, I I think that wraps up our awards. That wraps up our rankings. We talked about teams. We talked about giving out some awards. I mean, we talked some shit. I let y'all know about what the hell is going on around the league. I think... This is a pretty damn good Thursday show. I think we did pretty good. I mean, who fucking knows? I mean, it's not me to judge. It's not me to judge. It's on y'all, but I think shit went pretty smooth. So with that being said, with that being said, I will see y'all on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, episode 10, uh, we're going to drop all the information for the giveaway. We're going to drop everything on what you're going to get, how you're going to get it, all those things. Um, it may be team specific if I can't reach out to a couple more people. So if you're not a fan of that athlete or uh, or that team, you know, maybe you can just share it to some that will. Uh, but with all that, share the show when uh, it becomes available on the KCPN network. Uh, I basically say Kansas City Podcast Network Network. When it, when it becomes available on the KCPN app and also everything else, of course, I will share it out like I always do because once again, the playbacks will not be here on Podbean. Podbean is just for the live and then you can listen to everything else out in the world, uh, but that will be posted on my social media. Share the shit out of it. Inbox it to some people, whatever, because once again, episode 10 is going to be the giveaway. Your best chance to be a part of the giveaway is to listen live. So get people interacting, uh, tweet about the shit. I've, I've been putting out uh, sound clips and stuff like that on Facebook and things of that nature. Share those shits out there uh, because it's causing conversation. It's causing people to come to the live. It's causing for the chat to be more interactive. The chat was hella interactive on Tuesday. People was just talking shit. I loved it. But with that being said, you know who it is. I'm out of here. I've given out all the awards that I got in the cabinet. I ain't got shit else. I'm going to see y'all next week. I'm out of here. I'm out this bitch. I love y'all. Thank you for listening to the Voice of Fandom podcast. 
You can join live every Tuesday and Thursday by downloading the Podbean app or listen to audio playback exclusively through the Kansas City Podcast Network, available by app download or anywhere else you choose to listen to your podcasts. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Views also. America's favorite vape. Get convenient four-pod packs so you can stay in the moment more and run out for refills less. Views also. Available in one, two, or four-pod packs. Get yours in store today. Views. Charge beyond. Vapor products. Underage sale prohibited. Based on 2020 retail scan data of reported total views auto sales volumes. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.